Romans 14, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 13. So would you stand, please? And we're going to, I'm going to read God's word and you follow along. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you're no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Father, we thank you for giving us your word and equipping us with your Holy Spirit to enable us to navigate through all the tricky issues, the thorny issues, the gray areas of life. Father, we want to do everything to your glory. And so help us, God, to have firm convictions that honor you. God, help us not to cause a brother to stumble. Lord, help us to live and to speak in ways that build up the faith of others. Father, I think of um, the request we got earlier by text uh, uh, for the, the fire downtown. And just pray, God, that you would give grace to those working on that and ministering there. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's do a little bit of review from last week. So the way we started last week was that there are tons of areas in the Scripture that are crystal clear, right? We just open up our Bibles and we're like, yep, I know what God thinks about that. I know know what Jesus says about that. And in those areas, it is our responsibility, it is our privilege, it is for our joy to say, yes, Lord, I, I'm going to obey, right? When, when the Bible makes something very clear, then we should obey that for, for our own good, for our own joy, for the glory of God. And it's perfectly right and really encouraged that we urge and exhort and encourage others to obey it as well. So, so when the Bible gives us a clear issue, hey, this is wrong, this is right, do this, don't do that, then as I get together with my brothers in the, in the early mornings and as we look at the Scripture together, I, I want to encourage them and they should encourage me that we, we obey the Scriptures. Now, there are other things that the Bible doesn't specifically address. And we are to develop firm convictions in those areas, right? Remember last week, Romans 14, 5, 
It says, one person esteems one day better than the other, another esteems all days alike. Each should be fully convinced in his own mind. And so it's the areas that the Bible does not specifically address, you're not to just be like, well, the Bible doesn't say anything about it, so it doesn't matter. Your life matters. The way you live matters. Your decisions matter. And so you should strive in all of those areas to come to a conviction for yourself. This is how I'm going to honor God. How do you come to those convictions? Through prayer? Through searching the scriptures? You say, well, hold on. You said the scriptures don't specifically address that. Well, they don't. But, but, I, but I think we can read the scriptures and fill our minds with God's truth. And the Bible says he'll equip us through his truth to make those decisions. And then finally... This comes from verse 5 and 6 in chapter 14. Make sure that in every of the, all those gray areas, the decision you make is because you're convinced that what you're doing is going to honor God. Okay, So in all those areas, how can I honor God? Now, the areas that Paul brings up in these passages mainly deal with food and drink. Okay, Probably three issues. Uh, the Jewish believers, who, who they were Jews before, and so they had obeyed all the Jewish dietary laws. They didn't eat pork. They didn't eat these things, didn't eat these things. And now they become Christians. And so now, now is it right or wrong for them to eat those things that they didn't as a Jew? The other issue would be probably the bigger one, food sacrifice to idols. So you had these pagan temples, and, and so you had people bringing their, their sacrifices to these false gods, and they would offer them. And have you ever noticed... Statues don't eat food, right? Do they, right? So you, you can offer them to them, but they don't eat them. You know, in, in, in India, you see this all over, and other Thailand especially. You know, you'll have an altar to a, a, a god, and there's food, there's rotting food all around it. You know why? Because they, they don't eat it, right? And so what they would do is they maybe offer part of it, and then they take the other part and sell it. You know, get some, I mean, you just slaughtered a steer, you're going to sell part of that beef, and so... It'd be offered to the idol, but then you would take it back and, and, and take some of it and sell it in the marketplace. Well, is it okay to eat that food that's already been sacrificed to an idol? That was a thorny issue in Paul's day. Now, Paul is really clear. Let me read you a passage in another place in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 8, verse 8, he says this, Food will not commend us to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat and no better off if we do. Right? And so Paul says, first of all, it's not an issue of is the food. Let me give you an example. This week we had pork chops at our house. Okay, My wife made pork chops. Right as she's finishing up supper, she gets a call. She's got to go to run to Kids Inc. sign Haven up for soccer. By the time she gets back, we've eaten all the pork chops. Okay, So, so we, we ate them and she didn't. Okay, let, me, let me tell you what I observed. We were no more spiritual nor unspiritual for eating. She was no more spiritual nor unspiritual for not eating, okay? I think she was a little upset at us for eating, but not, there was no, in other words, you know, when we ate them, we didn't be like, man, I want to go love Jesus. And, or when we ate them, we didn't be like, you know, I'm going to go murder somebody or steal something. I ate that pork, right? I mean, that's what Paul's saying. It, it, it doesn't matter as far as the food, but it does matter what your conscience says. So if, if you're convinced in your own heart that, that you shouldn't, in honor of the Lord, then you shouldn't. What also matters is how your eating or not eating 
affects the people around you. So th- those are really the two issues we're going to look at today. Is the issue of conscience, which, which kind of ends in living by faith, and then the issue of how does my actions affect others. Okay, so those, those are the issues that Paul is going to talk about. And by the way, those issues are still prevalent in a lot of the world. Um, Solomon John, I just told you he's going to be here in a couple weeks. Um, he is a second or third generation Christian, so that's pretty odd for in, in India. So he's got a long tradition of Christianity in his family. And he is, he is totally convinced that Hinduism is wrong. He, he, he does not believe that inside cows are reincarnated people. He doesn't believe that. But he still doesn't eat beef. It's, it's not a part of their culture. It's actually illegal in India, you know, to eat. I mean, you're not supposed to slaughter cows. That's why they're running around eating out of the trash, you know, and they look like they're skeletons. Uh, it, and so when he comes here, well, he's going to come to my house for supper. He usually does. And so we, we have, we, we've got this issue, right? We, we know kind of the conviction he has. We know the practice. If we were in India, I've been there probably 20, 25 days now. I have never seen a woman in India pray with her head uncovered. I just prayed. I looked up. I, I peeked. Well, no, I didn't really. But if I would have peeked, you know, none of you had your heads covered. Now, in India, when you say let's pray, they're all, you know, I've, I've seen a lady holding two babies, you know. And we're like, let's pray. And she's like, you know, somehow does this trapeze act, you know, you know kind of, she, she covers her head. It's, it's a big deal. You know, you don't, if you're a lady, you don't pray. And they wear those shawls all the time. And when you're going to pray, you cover your head. Um, if we're in India, People would be greatly offended. They, they, would, they would feel that I was sinning. They would feel that they, they would be grieved in their heart because I'm wearing my shoes on the stage. And actually, they'd probably be grieved in the villages anyway, in Barachalam. They would be grieved that you walked in this room with your shoes. They would have left all theirs outside the church building. Just different convictions. Uh, it took me, I'm a slow learner, and so it took me a little while uh, my first trip there, we, we'd preach somewhere, we'd get out, we're praying, you know, got the swarm of people, we finally get in our vehicle, you know, we're sitting space to space, I mean, it's just packed, you know, and so I sit down in there, and I got, I got no room, and I want to get my bottle of water, because it's 100 degrees out, and so I'd put my Bible on the ground, in front of, not on the ground, but in the, in the car, you know, on the floorboard, in front of me, and I'd grab my bottle of water, before I even got my bottle of water up, the Indian guy sitting beside me had picked up my Bible, you know, and he picked up my Bible, and he would say, here you go, Pastor Jason, you know, or he'd say, I'll hold it for you. I'll hold it for you. And then we'd go into a church, you know, and we'd be the guests of honor. So they would have little, little usually like little yard chairs, be like little plastic chairs that you might put in your backyard. They have those on their, on their stage. And I'd get up there and I'd have all my stuff. And, and I'd sit down and I'd put my Bible like this. And I'd open up my water to drink it. One of the guys would jump up. He'd grab my Bible and he'd say, I'll hold it for you. Or I'll, I'll pick it up. Well, I figured it out pretty quickly. You don't put your Bible on the ground. Actually, I didn't figure it out quickly. It took me like two days, you know. I'm like, how are you so dumb, you know? I, I just thought they were like always being nice, you know. And, but but uh, they were. But, but the thing was, you know, that was a conviction there, right? Um, so so th- those, those issues are, especially cross-culturally, they're all over. But what about even in America? There's a bunch of them, right? Alcohol. Lots of Christians have differing views on alcohol. Some, some believe firmly convinced in their mind that they can drink in moderation without sinning against the Lord. Others are firmly convinced in their mind that they cannot. 
Okay? What about Halloween? What about music? What about movies? What about rated R movies? What about certain types of music? What about art? What about tattoos? That was a big one like 10 years ago. 10 years ago, man, every week somebody was asking me, you know, it was okay for them to get a tattoo, you know? And I just don't get an ugly one, you know? You got to have that forever. No, no, you know, I would usually make a joke like that before I, okay, let's look at the scriptures and then you got to find this conviction for yourself. You know, yoga, that's kind of a new one, you know? Uh, yoga is, is something that, you know, a lot of Christians have one conviction about, a lot of, and again, it's because we live in a world village really so if you're in india or a lot of other places in the world you know if you if you if you do yoga that means you're a hindu you know it means you're you, you believe so i mean solomon couldn't believe you know when he, he went to america and there's people doing yoga he said i thought america was a christian nation you know and I thought, well it's not you know but there are a lot of christians in america he's like but they do yoga you know i mean okay but for a lot of americans what is yoga it's like the next thing after jazzercise right i mean i mean yeah you, know, you had you had, you know, pool aerobics, and then you had jazzercise, and you had CrossFit. And those people doing CrossFit are like, this is too hard, man. I got to do something easier, you know? And so they'll, they'll stretch, you know? Oh, yeah, this is better than throwing tires, you know? And it's just exercise, right? And, and so, but what's your conviction on those things? So let, let me tell you what Paul's going to do in this chapter. He's going to go back and forth. This one's hard to go sequentially, like verse by verse, because he keeps repeating himself. But he's going to go back and forth between two extremes. He's going to tell who he calls the weak brother. Okay, and I'm getting that from chapter 14, verse 2. The weak brother, don't pass judgment. Okay, don't pass. He's going to say it over and over again, right? And so if if it's your firm conviction that a Christian shouldn't have a tattoo, then don't get one, Okay. But then when you sit down at church and Carolyn Casey's got a short sleeve shirt on and she's got her barbed wire showing, you know, then, no, I don't know that you have one. I'm just kidding. You know, anyway, don't, don't be like, Carolyn's not a Christian, you know. She's going to hell, all right? Don't, don't. So he's going to come back over and over again. Don't judge. Okay, he's going to say that. Don't, don't, don't pass judgment. That's, that's God's servant, not your servant, okay? But then he's going to come to the strong brother, okay, and he's going to say, look, decide not to put a stumbling block or a hindrance in front of any brother. So maybe you have a conviction that you can go to a certain movie or you can listen to certain music or you can, you know, have a drink or whatever that conviction is. But if you know you're hurting another brother, man, it's not worth it. Don't, don't, don't hurt them spiritually. Okay, and so, so that, that's where we're going to go back and forth, back and forth but between those two extremes, uh, trying to bring about what he calls peace and mutual upbuilding. Okay, now I need to do a clarification. And by the way, I, I, I appreciate when after I preach, you know, some of you will come throughout the week, you'll send me an email or somebody say, hey, this wasn't very clear. I, th- I, th- I think I misunderstood you. I, I really, I appreciate that because I, I want to be clear and I don't want to misunderstood. And especially passages like this, they're ripe with the ability to misunderstand. So I appreciate And I had someone come to me, you know, really, really well. I don't like it when you're mad and yell at me and call names, but I'll even take that. I'm okay. I, I really don't hold grudges. So that's fine too. If you, but if you can do it the other way, it'd be better. Okay. So, but anyway, they, they came to me and they said, it seems like what Paul is saying is that the person who is more loose in their convictions is more spiritual than the person who is cautious in their conviction. Now, where they were getting that was chapter 14, verse 2, where he says, one person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. And so, so they, they took that principle there, which Paul does say, the weak person eats only, and, and, they, and they began to apply it in areas I don't think they should have. Okay, now let me give you an example. This is the example they gave me. They said, so is what the Bible's saying is that like the person who has, um, so take two men. 
Okay, so, and one guy has really strong convictions about not ever being alone with a woman who's not his wife. And not, not ever uh, sharing personal information with a woman who's not his wife. Not ever, you know, being in a car with a You know, he's just really careful about that. And you got another guy who really just, he's much more carefree about that. You know, he, he, he doesn't mind having ladies, you know, kind of be friends that, that, that aren't, aren't, you know, maybe aren't his wife. Or aren't, and he, he would ride in a car, maybe on a business trip with a lady that wasn't, wasn't his wife. And so he, he's, he's less careful than the other guy. And, and so the question to me was, so would, would the Bible say that the one who is less careful is more spiritual than the one who is careful? First of all, that's a, bad in, that's a bad application of that passage, okay? Let me tell you why, okay? There's a big difference between adultery and eating a pork chop, right? Okay, so, so do, you, do you see that? Like where they end, like what they're being careful of, they're, they're, there's a big di- Those aren't really in the same category, right? So on the one with the, with the eating meat or not eating meat, what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 8 is sometimes it's just a matter of growing into knowledge, right? So if you came out of that, Bad atmosphere in the temple where meat was being sacrificed to idols, and, and you just you, you have a really strong, sensitive conscience of, about eating anything that came from that place. Okay, as you grow in faith, you know what might happen? You might grow into the fact to say, you know what? My righteousness is totally in Jesus. And he has made me righteous. And, and the more I grow as a Christian, the less that gets into my past, and the more I come to see, you know what? Man, those things are, that's not really a, a God. That's a rock, you know, in that temple, or it's a piece of wood. And, and, and if I can get a cheap ribeye and eat it, I, I don't feel bad. Right? It may just be knowledge, right? Whereas the other thing is really being more careful about your own falling into temptation, okay? So, so really, they're in, they're in different categories, I would say, of, 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 of areas of, of being careful. But still, as I, as I thought about this question, I thought, you know what, though? There is an area there in the middle where they do meet, okay? And, and, and instead of saying one is more spiritual than the other, we got to just follow Paul's rules. Let, let me show you the area they meet. So um, any of you ever heard of Billy Graham? Anybody ever heard of a few? There's a couple, okay, good. The rest of you haven't been Christians very long. you never heard of him, okay? That's fine. So there's a guy named Billy Graham. He's, he's a famous evangelist in the last 100 years. And um, he had a conviction uh, I've read this about him, and I, I went to a conference one time, and they, they mentioned this as well. He had a conviction that he would never be alone with a woman who wasn't his wife in an elevator. Okay? And that was his conviction all throughout his ministry, and he, and he kept that. So if, if he was going, stepped into the elevator, going to up his, to his motel room, and there was a, another lady that stepped in, and it was just the two of them, he would stop the door, he would step out and have a good day, ma'am, you know, and, and he would wait for another elevator, he'd take the stairs. Okay? Um, and that, that's, that's great. That was his personal conviction. And by the way, he never pushed that on anybody. Uh, it, was just, it, was, it was actually his aides who, had, who I read them telling about different things that he had done to protect himself in the ministry. Um, I don't have that conviction, okay? So I, I don't practice that. I, if, I, if I told you I did, I'd, I'd be telling a fib. I don't. Um, first of all, I don't ride very many elevators. Have you noticed there's not very many elevators in Woodward, you know? There, there's one that I walk past frequently at the Woodward Hospital, but actually I don't ride. I'd rather take the stairs, you know? I mean, I'm sitting in my office, and so if I get a chance to get out, I'm usually run up the stairs or run down the stairs. So I, I just don't take an elevator very often. But a couple weeks ago, I did, and this very thing happened. So it was my anniversary, and we were in Oklahoma City, and uh, Emma Price signed a motel, you know, we gone to eat, we went to a movie, and we, we went back to the motel, and we went up to go to our room, and I went to stick the key card into the door, and I noticed the door wasn't even shut, you know? 
And so we thought that was kind of odd. And so we got in there, and the thermostat said 72, like it was set on 72. It's like 85, you know? It's hot. And, and then we noticed that, that the, the, the adjoining, you know how rooms are connected and there's a door in between? Like the latch dealy wouldn't shut, you know, in the door. And so we, I go to, like, close the front door, and, like, i got to put my shoulder in it to get it closed. And we thought, okay, this is not a great room, you know? And uh, we, don't, we don't get motels very often. But, you know, let so I went downstairs to see if we could change rooms. And they were really super great. They were like, oh, sorry, we're sorry. We'll get you another room and everything. So I'm coming back up with our new key cards. And I get in the elevator. And here comes this business lady, you know, young, attractive business lady gets in the elevator. Now, I could have followed Billy Graham's conviction and stopped. And that, that would have been great. I just, I just, I don't have that conviction. And so what I did was I said, hi, hi ma'am, how are you? I feel like if you call young, attractive women ma'am, it kind of puts a grandma feel to it, you know. <laughs> I just think it's better, you know. And uh, I'm like, how are you, ma'am? And she said, I'm, I'm fine, thank you. And I said, what floor? And I'm fine, you know, go up. I said, have a nice day. And that was it, you know. And, and so, so here, here's the truth. See, Billy Graham and I made a different conviction there, didn't we? And I don't, I don't think I'm wrong, and I don't think he's wrong. And, and in fact, probably we just have different circumstances, right? You know what? If, if I traveled as much as Billy Graham, he traveled probably what? During the height of his ministry. I bet he was away from home 320 days a year maybe, you know? If I was traveling that much, and if I was that high profile where everybody knew who I was, and, and if there was that much of a risk of an allegation, even if you did nothing wrong but you were accused, you know, you know what? That's probably a smart conviction, right? So, so we come there in the middle, and there's an example of how Billy Graham did just what Romans 14 says. Each should be fully convinced in his own mind, right? Of 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 how do I honor the Lord in this area of our life? And even though he and I came to different convictions, I don't think he would judge me, and I'm certainly not going to judge him. And, and, and hopefully we both would honor the Lord in the way that we handle ourselves in life, okay? So that's hopefully a clarification. Now, today what we want to get to is the fact that we affect one another with our lives, all right? So what you have to understand is as you're making these convictions about these different areas of your life, Okay, and there's a whole bunch of them, really. I, I've I've stayed with a few, but I was thinking the other day. I was like, "Oh, that that fits in there, and that fits in there, and that fits." I mean, all kinds of convictions about is this right? Is this wrong? Okay. Now, as you're making these convictions, you need to understand that you affect the people around you. Okay. Now, everybody, everybody's a Christian is a Christian because they are connected to God through Jesus Christ, and they're 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 indwelt with the Holy Spirit. But what's also true is you affect your life, your words, how you live. That affects other people. You can either be an instrument of great encouragement, great edification, great increasing their joy in Christ, stirring up their faith, or you can actually be a stumbling block. You can be a hindrance to people in their faith. You've got to be careful of that. Some people are not as careful of that as I want them to be. Let, 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 me, let me tell you why. This happens to me frequently. Someone comes with a question about a really thorny issue in their life, and I'm like, okay, let's just look and see what the Scripture says, okay? And so I'm like, okay, well, here's what this Scripture says. Now let's go here. Here's what this one says. Let's go here. Here's what this one says. I think, I think he's saying this here. And they'll say, okay, okay, that's fine. But, but, but the person, you know, so-and-so in my small group, they said this. And they said this because this is what their experience was. Okay, now be careful, Okay, there's nothing wrong with telling your experience, but what I see is a lot of people are really fast and loose with throwing out advice that's really not scriptural. Does that make sense? Be careful about that. Like, I'm not saying your advice is wrong. I'm not saying what you did is wrong. But I think some people actually 
try, try to defend their own actions in the past by, by trying to convince people to do what they did. What I'm saying is we ought to be careful when we mess with people's lives. Does that make sense? That's a big deal. It's a big deal whether we encourage them in faith or whether we discourage them in faith. So, so much so that here's what Paul says in verse 13. He says, therefore, let us not pass judgment. There's that one side. Don't, don't judge people on, on one another any longer. But rather, on the other side, decide. I like that word. Decide never to put a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of a brother. So we need to decide Make a conscious decision that I'm not going to put a stumbling block. I'm not going to make somebody trip up. I'm not going to put an obstacle in the way of a brother, in, in, in the direction that they're driving. God, God is working in them. They're, God is sanctifying them. God is growing them. And I don't want to put a stumbling block in their way. Okay? Verse 14. Paul says, I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it's unclean. I need to pause here. I actually could have just left that verse out because it's really on the side of where we're going. I'm just afraid that some people would look at that and be confused about it. I want to say this about that verse. I don't think Paul is talking about everything in life. I don't think he's saying, hey, there's nothing that's unclean. Okay. I don't think he's saying, hey, there's no movie that's unclean. I actually think that pornography is unclean. Um, why do I think that? You're like, hey, that's a gray area. You're judging, right? You're throwing the alarm. No, no, hold on. Because I can take you to Matthew 5, where Jesus says, is it Matthew 5 or 6? 5 or 6, maybe 6, where he says, if a man looks upon a woman in lust, is not his wife, then he's committed adultery in his heart. What is pornography? Pornography is a video designed to promote lust and sexual morality. Okay? Now, what's true? Well, as we move away from there and and toward lesser degrees of that, there's going to be some gray areas, right? So like uh, the movie Fifty Shades of Grey, I think they should have called it Fifty Shades of Black, okay? Because I didn't see it, but I read reviews on it, and, and I really think it, it, it falls into the category of something that is promoting something the Bible is clearly condemning, okay? But, but then you're going to go further and further and further until you get to the PG-13 movie, you know, or the PG movie, okay? Now, there's where we've got our, our, our area that really the, there's not agreement upon, and you're going to have to come to a conviction in your own heart about what honors the Lord, okay? So, so I don't think he's talking about everything in life. I think, I think he's specifically talking about food, and I could show you that. We don't have time, but 1 Timothy 4, 3 through 5, Mark 7, 15, and Acts 10, 15. If you want those verses, I can give them to you afterward. All three of those passages are very clear that the Bible is, is referring to this issue of food, okay? Sacrifice to idols, Jewish dietary laws. I believe that's what it's talking about. All right, let's keep going. So verse um, 15. If your brother is grieved by what you eat, you're no longer walking in love. All right, so, so he, what he says here is you could have a firm conviction in your life that you've come to, okay? But as you live that out in certain situations, you grieve a brother. The word grieve means to emotionally distress. Now, now what's it talking about? Well, I think some of you are going to resonate with this. Whenever you feel you're dis- disobeying the Lord, do you feel emotional distress? Man, I do. I do. Don't, don't you feel tore up? You know, when you, feel, when you feel like you've sinned or you're living in sin, do you feel emotionally? Let me, let me just say this. If you don't, there's a problem in your spiritual life, okay? 
Because the conviction of the Holy Spirit ought to bring about emotional distress when you feel that you're sinning, okay? And, and so what he's saying here is that you could live in such a way, even exercising your freedom, that you cause emotional distress to others. Let me, let me unpack a situation, okay? So last week, just rewind to last week. So remember we talked about Bob and Sue, right? Remember Bob was the, the guy that loved to grill, and he, he was a mature Christian. He thought nothing of that idolatry in the temple. He just, he just bought the best ribeyes he could buy, right? And if they were at the marketplace and sold by the temple, he didn't care, you know? He, he knows that Christ is Lord, and every cow on, on a thousand hills is God's, and he's going to eat the ribeye and not worry anything about it. And so he calls a small group and says, hey, I'm making ribeyes, you know, and, and he doesn't tell them that he bought them at the temple, but everybody knows he did. Okay. He says, I got, I got, or maybe he did tell them, I got a great price. All right. I bought them at the temple. Well, then you got Sue. Remember we talked about Sue, you know, or Sue Ella, since we have a Sue. Okay. Sue Ella. So she, she was a temple prostitute and God saved her and redeemed her out of that horrible lifestyle. But she saw all kinds of terrible things in that lifestyle. And she still has this, this deep conviction that she wants nothing to do with anything that happened at that temple. All right? Now, when they come to small group, what's going to happen? Well, if Bob's like, man, I spent a bunch of money on these ribeyes and they're so good and tasty. I want everybody to have a bite. Well, now what, what's Sue going to do? Well, if she's like, ah, I feel bad and he, he made these and nobody else thinks it's wrong and... Yeah, maybe I should just I should just do it. And she cuts her little piece and eats it and then immediately what she's grieved. Now why is she grieved? She feels like she's disobeying God. Does that make sense? You know what that's called, that mechanism inside you? Conscience. Conscience. Right? She feels like she's disobeying. Now Bob, he's over there. You know, pass the barbecue sauce. You know, he he doesn't feel anything at all. His conscience doesn't bother him. Why? You know, it's because of his convictions. All right, they have different convictions on this issue. But let me ask you this: We don't want to be the kind of people who cause emotional distress to other believers, right? We don't want to put them in a situation where where they're grieved, where they feel like they've sinned, or where they they feel guilty. They or, or they're even they're even worst of all, they're even kind of brought into maybe sinning more, or sinning in different areas, sinning in clear areas, because of that. that's a big deal. In fact, he goes on in the uh, same verse there, verse 15. He says, by what you eat, do not destroy. John MacArthur uh, defines that word destroy. Seriously devastate his spiritual growth. Don't destroy the one for whom Christ died. Man, Christ died for that believer. And, and, and don't you be one who's harming their faith. Because to go against your conscience is a dangerous thing. Your, your conscience is the conviction you've come to about what's right and what's wrong. Even more important, let me say it differently. Your conscience is your conviction that you've come to about how do I honor Jesus, all right? And so you shouldn't go against that. You shouldn't override your conscience, all right? So let me, let me, uh, let me bring up another thorny issue. You, you should always live and act in faith. That's what verse 23 is saying, right? But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. All right, so there's a couple of different ways that you can think of sin. You can think of sin only in the terms of commands, right? So what is sin? It's when you break this command, this command, this command, this command, this command. All right, that, that, that's okay. But, but Paul says, he gives a better definition of sin, I believe. Sin is when you don't act in faith. All right, now, now, what does it mean to live in faith or act in faith? It means I'm living in, in my trust in Jesus, right? So I trust him. I believe he's right. I believe he won't let me down. 
I believe that he's leading me to joy. Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. John 15, 11, Jesus says, I tell you these things that my joy might be in you and that your joy may be full. Right, and so, so, so living in faith means, Lord, I trust you. Okay, you, you told me to forgive that person. All right, I believe that's the best thing for my soul. I'm, Lord, I'm gonna do it. Give me power, right? That's living in faith. Lord, you told me to go here. I'm gonna go, right? That's living in faith. Okay, but when you go against your conscience, see how your, your conscience works with your faith? Your conscience is your conviction about a certain thing. All right, I, th- I think this is how you honor the Lord. If you go against that, what are you doing? You're sinning. E- even if another person can do the same thing and it not be sin for them, that's what people struggle with. How can, how can the same thing, if I eat the pork chop and somebody else doesn't, how can it be sin for one person and not for the other? Or if we both eat it, I'm sorry. If we both eat it, how can it be? Well, it's, it's because if you go against your conscience, your conscience is saying, I want to honor the Lord. I want to live. And if you go against that, that's sin. All right. First Timothy 1.19 says this. Holding faith and a good conscience. See how those work together? And then he talks about men. He says, by rejecting this, some have made shipwreck of their faith. It's a dangerous thing to go against your conscience. All right, now let's, let's uh, play this out in a controversial subject, all right? That's the way you wake everybody up, is you just keep bringing up controversial things. So, you got a group of believers going out to a restaurant, okay? You've got some of those believers who, as they have prayed and sought Scripture and sought to honor the Lord, feel there's nothing wrong with having a drink, an alcoholic beverage, Okay? Um, they've, they've played out the whole, what is drunkenness? How much is drunkenness? They've come to a conviction about that. I think that's a hard thing to do, by the way, to figure out kind of how much is one and that, you know, but, but anyway, let's say these believers have done it. Okay. And so they're going to, and then let's say there's other believers with them who maybe because of their past, maybe their mom and dad were an alcoholic. Maybe, maybe they got beat as a child by a drunk dad, or maybe they, they were an alcoholic growing up. And, 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 and into their teen years and college years and did all kinds of horrible things because of alcohol. And so they have a strong conviction that it, it's wrong for them, okay? So if that group of believers goes out, now what should happen is what? Well, the, the, weak, the, the, the brother who, who's more sensitive should not judge the others, and the ones who, who, who feel the freedom should recognize that that brother you know, doesn't, and then they should all just get along in harmony, right? They, they probably should just work it out where nobody's making anybody stumble. But what, what, if, what, if the, what if that doesn't happen? So what if the, the folks who, who believe that it's, it's okay for them, what if, what if they, through their actions and maybe even through their words, exert some pressure on, on the one who feels it's wrong for him to go ahead? If he goes ahead, what has he done? He's gone against his conscience. Now let's play this out. If he makes a habit of going against his conscience... That's going to spread into very clear areas in the Scripture, right? I mean, if you're willing to go against your conscience in some area, well, what about when you run up against an area that's clear in the Scripture? You know, he goes to work the next day, and his boss says, hey, what's this on your expense account? And he's like, ooh, I shouldn't have put that down. It'd be wrong for me to lie to my boss. But he just went against his conscience last night. You see how dangerous that is to have a life where you're going against your conscience? Okay? And, and, and so, so that's, that's what he's saying there. He should be fully convinced in his own mind. But whoever has doubts, 
is condemned if he eats because the eating is not from faith. If, if you're doing something, you ought to do it out of a conviction that you are honoring the Lord in that thing. Look at verse 20. Verse 20 says, Do not for the sake of food destroy the work of God. I mean, I think that's a great verse. Because you, you know what that verse does? That verse kind of lays this out. There are things that I think I could do in good conscience that would not be sin. But if it would at all hurt this church, if it would at all cause a believer, a brother in Christ to stumble, I'd just soon not do it. Does that make sense? If we had a Jewish brother in here and he was one of the small groups, by golly, and he comes to my house, we're not having pork chops, you know? And I'm not even going to talk about having them. You know, when, when Solomon comes, we're having chicken. We did last time. We had chicken, you know? We had chicken and vegetables. We, had, we were heavy on the vegetables, you know? And I didn't eat vegetables growing up. I thought it was just gravy, bread, and meat. Those were our food groups, you know? When Solomon comes, and my wife's really broke me of that, but when, when he comes, we're heavy on that. I, I don't want my brother to stumble, right? I, it's not worth that. Let, let me finish. Here's what I'm afraid of. This is such a complicated issue. I'm afraid some of you are like, man, he spent two Sundays on that, and I'm more confused than ever. I hope that's not the case. But if it is, here's how I want to end. I want to end by giving you the one-verse handle, okay? I was flying to... Uh, Houston, Texas, for a pastor's conference about 20 years ago. And I was reading a Chuck Swindoll book, and he had a chapter on this verse. It's 1 Corinthians 10, 31. And it says this, Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Okay, now that, that's pretty much what Paul said in Romans 14 when he said, The one who eats should eat in honor of the Lord. The one who abstains should. In other words, here's your, big, here's your handle. Whatever you do, whether you get a tattoo or not, whether you listen to this music or that music, whether you, you watch this movie or that movie, whether you drink alcohol or you don't drink alcohol, whether your kids date at 16 or they don't date at 16, whether you, what ha, all those issues, whatever you do, you should do it to the glory of God. Isn't that a good handle? You know, I mean, if, 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 if you're like, man, I'm trying to muddle through all that, everything he said, well, here, here's, here's the final piece. Do what you do to the glory of God. Can you do those things? Some of you are thinking, man, you can't do some of those things to the glory of God. I, I think probably some people do. I think they probably do. You know, and, and again, is it my place to judge that they don't? No, now I'm breaking the other side, right? You see, uh, Paul, Paul's clear about that. Don't, don't judge your brother. Base your own firm convictions. Don't judge your brother and don't put a stumbling block in front of your brother. Isn't it interesting, that 1 Corinthians 10.31 passage? You know what that's about? This issue. Let me read you the whole passage. And then, then we'll, go, we'll have Lord's Supper. Verse 23 is where I'm going to start. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. You see what Paul's saying there? He's saying, you know what? I might be able to do that. I might be able to do a whole bunch of stuff. But not everything's really helpful in my Christian life. Verse 24, let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor, right? Think about your brother. Eat whatever's sold in the meat market without raising questions on the ground of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It's all fine. But if one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you're disposed to go, eat whatever's set before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. But if someone says to you, 
This has been offered in sacrifice. Then don't eat it. For the sake of the one who informed you. And for the sake of conscience. I don't mean your conscience. His. For why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced? Because of what, what of that for which I give thanks. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So folks, we need to navigate through all those issues of our life. We need to develop firm convictions in how we live. And the one overriding principle ought to be this. I want to glorify Jesus. Glorifying Jesus is going to be more satisfying to me than any other way of life. So that's what I want to do. We're going to finish our service today by partaking of the Lord's Supper. We're about to do some eating and drinking here that is not controversial in the Scriptures. All right? This is real clear. Right? It's real clear what we're doing here. And what we're doing here is a picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What we're doing here is a picture of, of the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus on our behalf. 